Welcome back to another episode of Being an Artist is Fucking Killing, killing me. me. I'm Rainy. I'm Corinne. And thank you guys for listening. Thank you so much for everybody that came to our party. Guys, we are so hungover. Hungover and tired. Hungover and tired, but we're so thankful to everyone that came and showed support. Yes. Everyone that submitted their films. Yeah. It was great. It was a super fun night. Yeah, I had a lot of fun. Um, We want to thank everybody that played at the event. There was... Kendra, there's JJ and Alyssa, Halia, Fresh Moses, Fresh Moses. Everybody like did a really amazing job. Yeah, and it was it, really lovely to have people there. Yeah, we also want to thank our sponsors: Soul Cycle, Bar Three, Flight Club, The Queen and Beaver, Montecito, Luminato Festival, um, High Society Cabaret, The Lot, The Lot, Home Local Laundry, Home, Soft Focus, Ponytail Mail. Yeah, raffle prizes were dope. Also, like, everybody's reaction to raffle prizes yes. <laughs> was hilarious. Guys. Which we have great pictures of, which will be going out. Yes. <laughs> yes. Thank you guys all for coming. The viewings were super successful. Yeah. It was really fun. Yeah. Um, if you're wondering what that cool space was, because you're like, wow, this is awesome. It's like a weird speakeasy. It's called the Watson Arts Hub. Yeah. And it's run by Tal, and he's great. And contact him. It's on open space. And you can also mm-hmm. contact him directly. Amazing. This week we have Alisa Pyers. Mm-hmm. You probably know her or know of her. She's yeah. popping up all over lately. And she's a really amazing choreographer and artist. And we sat down with her and she was so lovely. Very. So open. Such a big heart. Mm-hmm. And there's also awesome. Here we go. Hi, my name is Lisa Pyers. I'm a choreographer and dance artist based in Toronto, originally from Victoria, BC. I work primarily in the contemporary ballet sphere uh, as a freelance choreographer, also choreographic associate with the National Ballet of Canada, and I create under, I self-produce under the banner of Elise Pyre's Dance Projects. Um, This is so kind of full circle because I actually saw your piece when I was at Ryerson for a bit. I think you were in like, it was like in the, the show that they do when the students create the work. Oh, yeah. Like when I was a student? Yeah. I think you were in third year, maybe? Third or second year? I don't know. But I saw one of your works, and I remember being like, oh, this is so amazing. And I remember everybody was so obsessed with it. So it's very full circle that Aww. you're doing all this Thanks. now. And it's so great. Do you remember, like, was it a group piece? or? I think it was a group piece, yeah. It was a group piece. There's two pieces that I remember specifically from that show. And one was there was these, like, two sisters or cousins that I think were in fourth year. They were blonde. Oh. And... I was going to say brunette. (laughs) No, they were blonde. And they made a piece, and it was, like, a very large piece, and then it was your piece. I don't know if it was as big, but it was a smaller cast, I think. I wonder. I did did quite a few group Uh pieces, and then I did some smaller ones. Mm Mm-hmm. I t- yeah, I choreographed a lot at school. I f- really feel like that was my sort of... This has come up a lot recently in terms of choreographic training mm-hmm. because it's not really something that exists in a big right. way, certainly in Toronto. Mm-hmm. I know there's programs in other places um, and certainly outside of Canada, but it's a weird thing where you kind of just have to do it. Yes. And part of my decision to go to Ryerson was because I knew that the choreographic opportunities there were quite substantial. Right. And so, like, it was an every year And it was thing. never like, I also want to be a dancer. It was like, oh, well, I, I wanted to be, be a dancer, too. 
And I also knew I needed more ballet training, which is why I didn't go to other programs that were more contemporary focused mm-hmm. uh, because I knew I needed to get my butt kicked a little bit more. <laughs> yeah. um, and I'm so glad that I did. But yeah, I, I always thought, oh, I'm going to graduate from school and I'll dance for like, you know, maybe 10 years or something and maybe choreograph a little bit on the side, but I'll dance. And then when I'm done dancing, I'll transition into choreographing. And that didn't happen because you really have to make your own opportunities. Yep. <laughs> and so out of school, it was like, okay, well, I'm not getting hired and I need to do something. So I'm going to make my own work because I love to choreograph anyway. And I was already, I had been doing it so much in school. And so there was a period of, you know, a, a couple of years where it was just like, breaking into Ryerson after hours like yeah. the old building and the security the new building is like Fort Knox man you can't get in there um not breaking in I had friends would lend me their card like who were still in school they would lend me their access card so I could get in mm-hmm. after hours and rehearse with other friends who had just graduated for no money like and originally for no like no goal just to get together and make work. So we were doing something. Mm -hmm. And then I ended up applying for dance matters in that first year out of school. And so we used that piece that we had made over the course of like six months or something for that, that show with dance matters. So it had a, had sort of a final thing. Mm -hmm. What is the word I'm looking for? Like, it had a, a culmination to that yes. process, even though when we started, it was very much just like, let's do something with our time. And mm-hmm. I had just, um, right after I finished Ryerson, I did the Movement Invention Project in New York. And that was the first time I did Gaga. It was basically um, two, was it two or three weeks? I think it was three weeks. Three weeks of improv intensive like we did ballet class every day right but other than that it was all different or maybe every other day ballet class anyway whatever it doesn't matter these details <laughs> so it's, nobody is excited about these details um my husband is like you know that meme that's been going or is it a meme i don't know that thing that's been going around where it's like regular people's way of telling a story and it's oh, like yeah. beginning end and then it's like my way of telling a story it's like details nobody asked for yeah like context <laughs> from 10 years ago and it goes all over the place and it was my husband was like oh <laughs> this, this this, did they make this about you <laughs> But um, I'm like, I'm trying to give you the context. <laughs> I uh, need every detail. Another weird detail context. Dance Matters just had their last season. At Pia Bauman. Bauman. I saw that. 14 years. They're done. Well, they're... Well, they're done at that at, location at, because Pia Bauman is yeah. closing. I just biked by there yesterday. Though. They're moving to uh, um, somewhere on Sterling, yeah. like by Collective Space, because I used to live in the condo building that's right on Bloor, like right by Collective Space. There's this tall building there. Yeah. You were oh, in New York. Project. Yeah, everything was of improv. So we had Gaga classes. We had like Shen Wei technique of improv, mm. like a million different improv techniques. We did like Meisner techniques, sort mm. of like acty stuff, and it was incredible. I feel like I, I felt like I, I also living in New York for a month and going to see a million shows and spending all my money, yeah, <laughs> and my whole life savings. And then I came back and was like, dang, I want to do my degree over again. Like now that I know this, especially doing Gaga, I was like, mm-hmm. oh. I would do my degree. I would 
do it all over again. Yeah. They do yeah. it so differently. Yeah. yeah. Now that I'm like older and know what I'm interested in and not like living totally. on my own for the first time and like partying for the first time. Right, 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 right. right. <laughs> well, and I say this to students all the time, um, especially, you know, at Ryerson or other training programs where they're asking for advice or whatever. And I say like, I wish that I had used, especially those choreographic opportunities, as a way to really develop my voice. Mm-hmm. I was practicing, obviously I was practicing. I was making a ton of work and it was quite successful and people were really excited about the work that I was doing. But I started to sort of play the game a little bit. Like I knew that group work was more likely to get accepted into the show because there were more dancers in it, more mm-hmm. dancers featured. Mm-hmm. I knew that they liked really physical, punchy, impressive stuff mm-hmm. where we got to show our training, which is also, I like making really physical work. So yeah. that was okay. I also knew that it was much more likely for something lighthearted to get in because most of the work was, you know, it's a bunch of student contemporary dance. Everything is like Angsty. so dark and yeah. you know, <laughs> the world is ending. Mm-hmm. So I, I knew that light, something lighter was mm-hmm. more likely to get in. In my fourth year, I did a piece um, that was, I think it was three men and me. And it was just because I wanted to dance. Like I wanted to, because other people weren't casting me as much as I would have liked. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so I was like, okay, this piece is just going to be so I can do a bunch of like crazy jumps. And I don't, I watched the video of that piece the other day and I was like, wow, this is terrible. But <laughs> like choreographically, yeah. but it had a bunch of lifts and it was a bunch of boys and me. And I knew that it had a good shot of getting in because it was a bunch of boys and me. Like, I was sort of playing the game to be in the show Mm -hmm. as opposed to actually going, what's the type of work that I want to make? And how can I really use this time and this space? I have free space. I have bodies that are super in shape and game to do whatever. Mm -hmm. And time to experiment with all that and I didn't I was just like let's bang out as many pieces as possible what's the record how many pieces for one choreographer in the show I'll beat it like that you know that's <laughs> right. and what a stupid way to go about it right? right like so I look back now and there's a couple pieces that I could potentially revisit there's one that I do um for Kenny's winter intensives every other year and I a piece I made when I was in second year and that was probably the only piece that was like super researched and super thought out mm-hmm. because it was the first time that I was doing something for this show. And, um, I wasn't like caught up in it yet, but yeah, I was very result oriented. Like I wanted in school, I wanted good grades. I didn't want good grades. I wanted the best grades. I wanted the highest GPA. Right. I wanted the most pieces in like I wanted the most pieces in the show I because I'm very yeah competitive and results oriented and that served me really well in a lot of ways and not at all in other ways Mm. and so my advice to people is always this opportunity is not going to happen again you're not going to have this free space these dancers this safe space where you can totally bomb and it's fine yeah and it's actually better if you do that Mm -hmm. um Instead of making a bunch of okay to good stuff, I'd rather have made some terrible stuff and some incredible stuff mm-hmm. and been able to walk away with more tools in my toolbox as opposed to walking away with like, 
did you know that I had four pieces in Korea one year? Like, nobody cares. Yeah. <laughs> nobody cares. Same thing. Like, nobody cares that I had the highest GPA. Like, nobody even really no. cares that I have a degree. Yeah. That's a reality. Right? That it was disappointing. <laughs> right, right, right. I'm yeah. like, did you know I got a 4.0? And people were like, what? What does that even oh, mean? Oh, you can get a degree in dance? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. What does that even mean? I guess especially, like, because you're working a lot in the ballet world. Mm-hmm. We're like... They go to the PD institutions. They don't yeah, go to yeah, the yeah. university <laughs> institutions. So they're like, I don't even know. Sorry, what did you do that wasn't ballet class? Right, right. <laughs> yeah. It's, my, it's, with my leg over my head as I ask you this question. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's like I, I was so, I am so grateful for the time that I had at Ryerson. And I did walk away with so much. And they gave me unbelievable opportunities to choreograph even though I felt like in hindsight I kind of squandered some of them Mm. I walked away knowing that oh I need to like now when I'm getting commissions it's not just to like pump out this dance to say oh I made a piece for x company it's it's really an opportunity to be in the room with new dancers who maybe I haven't met before and look deeper at something that I'm interested in and so I I did think that experience gave me better perspective on what it means to make work Mm -hmm. and the opportunity to make work. I'm never happier than when I'm in the studio with dancers and I'm more grateful now than ever, every time I'm there. Right. I have a question about commissions. Yeah. When you get a commission, do you feel pressure to, you're not using them just to pump out work and say you worked with somebody, but do you feel a pressure for that product to look a certain way depending on who's commissioned it? Yeah, I think there's there's a couple of different factors. One being, oh, well, we saw this piece of yours, and mm-hmm. now we want to commission you. So the idea is, like, we saw this thing, right. and that thing that you made made us interested in you. Right. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I feel like, oh, you want a piece like that, mm-hmm. or you want something in the vein of... But I'm trying more and more to think when people commission me, they commission me. They don't commission a piece. Right. right. I mean, they are commissioning a piece, but they're, they are commissioning me to make something, not commissioning specifically a product that right. they want out of me. There are other, sometimes people are like, okay, so the theme for our season is X and your piece should fit into that theme. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of the times it's not. A lot of the times it's... Open free reign, do yeah. whatever you want, mm. which is sort of amazing and horrifying at the same time. <laughs> um, yeah, I always feel pressure, especially because when you come into a commission, it's a little bit of a three, two, one premiere. Yeah. I've so many times come in somewhere and it's like, okay, you, you show up on the first day of rehearsal and in two and a half weeks we're in tech. And so it's go. Like, yep. it's go time. There's right. no really room for what do I want to say? It's like, I have to come in sort of, I, I rarely, if ever come in with movement, Okay. but I almost always will come in with structural ideas or conceptual ideas or mm-hmm. music. Yeah. Normally just one. <laughs> <laughs> I try, I try right. as best I can in the two and a half weeks or whatever it is to really like still play right. inside of that. But it depends. So like the, I made a piece for Bally Kelowna that came here for Fall for Dance North. Mm-hmm. I made that piece in eight days. Wow. And it's 20-ish minutes. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, 
there was a, a review of it that was like, oh, it was nice, but it wasn't as, it lacked the complexity that I enjoyed in another work of hers. A work that I developed over a year and a half. Right. right? So it's like, of course, yeah. of course it wasn't complex. I had eight days. I'd never met these dancers. Most of them I'd never met before. I walked in. I was like, hey, everybody. Here All right. Go. So yeah. here's some steps. Let's see how you do it. Cool. All right. Let's go from there. Yeah. You know, and I didn't even have all the music chosen yet because I wasn't sure exactly where I was going with it. Mm. Sorry, what was the question originally? Just like feeling pressure when getting commissions to like fit the company or fit in or like fit what they're asking for rather than just like doing what you want. And totally time has a huge factor in that. And it's funny that an audience member or a reviewer would pick up on that and you can't justify you can't tell them you're like i had eight days with dancers that i'd never met before yeah yeah. that's so funny to me always is like i kind of always want to put a disclaimer on every piece that (laughs) i made we were just talking about this i was just talking about this yesterday with bonnie kim actually about like how much and what is necessary for an audience to know before going into a work and we were just talking about it because of um, the post that had been made about, um, about, but Chavez, but Chavez work. Oh yes, yes. Right. So we were like, so what I is didn't like, see it. I was out of town. <sighs> yeah. I didn't get a chance to see it either. They yeah. only came for one night. Like, yeah. Yeah. They normally only come for one night yeah. and it's like on a Tuesday or something random. Yeah. Like how? Yeah. And tickets are like a hundred dollars for like yeah. the worst one. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I never want to, um, on a tangent, I always feel like a, a little bit, like, I don't want to tell people how, but because I want to make sure I can get it. But there are artist tickets at Sony Center. Oh, yeah. Mm. They, like, I saw, um, was it Ballet BC? I saw for 15 bucks. Oh, oh wow. Yeah. But you have to buy them in person. You have to physically go to the Sony Center and buy them in person. The day of? Oh. No. Just whenever. Whenever. And there's okay. a limited amount. You have to buy them in person. Do you have to show your kata? Um, yeah, or you're like, I forgot my cat card that day. So I just Googled myself <laughs> and showed them. I'm like, Oh, my name is on this website or, yeah. you know, now my yeah. name is on the national ballet website. So that helps. Yeah. But, uh, but anything you could have a pay stub, you could have anything, cat, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Um, but, and that's for any show they do. So like my husband and I saw the Harry Potter, um, when the TSO performs the score and they play oh, the movie. Yeah. So fun. They're doing magical. it again. It was magical. It was pretty fabulous. I loved it. Um, we saw that a couple years ago, both, you know, for mm-hmm. 15 bucks or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And Canadian stage is C stage. If you're under, if you're under 29, or like 16 to 29, but also have artist tickets for like 29 bucks. I saw Reviser twice. That's how I saw Reviser. Was yeah. that? Yeah. Yeah. And I, when Betroff Night was here, I think the second time, the C-Stage tickets were $15. Mm. And I was almost, I went onto the website about to pay $150 because I was like, you know what? Crystal Pite is my Beyonce. Would I, be, <laughs> would I pay $150 to see Beyonce? Yes, I would. Yeah. Although I have not, but I would. <laughs> so, you know, it, right. this is money well spent. And then I'm like, you know what? I'll just try the discount code. We'll see. And magically $15. And you're I, like, I was screaming. <laughs> and then I went and, of course, saw a bunch of friends who had spent $150. <sighs> and I felt like the worst person ever. <laughs> I was like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> but I was ready to do it. Yeah, I was man. ready to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, how did we get here? Just talking about how... what like information you give to audiences yes. before. Oh my and gosh, what... Yeah. Yeah. So in, um, 
I, I just saw a piece that I made for a ballet school in my hometown um, in Victoria. Cool. Oh. And they're on the West Coast. Mm-hmm. And, and so when I go home to Victoria to see my parents and my mom's side of the family, I work a lot with this ballet school. And they're phenomenal. Um, the kids are amazing. And just this, you know, when you walk into a school and you're like, ah, this just aligns with my mm-hmm. sort of, I don't want to say moral compass, but, <laughs> but like the, the, the way, way that they thinking, run their yeah. school is like exactly how I would run a school right. um, if I were doing that. So I make a lot of work for them and they have a post-secondary program that I work with a lot. So I saw this piece that I made for them and it's kind of this epic um, about climate change and it's like really very dramatic in the fi- the final moments and it makes total sense to all of us mm-hmm. because like to the dancers to the rehearsal director to me like everybody and all the students at the school who've come to watch rehearsal and whatever and like everybody gets it because they know exactly what it's about and then I'm sitting there watching it with my mom and my brother going this is insane like <laughs> do, do people like and then you know I don't want to who who am I going to spoil it for but spoiler alert basically <laughs> the the sort of conceptual idea is that there's a mother nature figure and then there's a human mother figure and so in the first section we see the hu- or sorry we see the mother nature character sort of offering her Right. child essentially to us and showing us how we can use it responsibly and then of course we don't and then so she comes back to see that we've destroyed the planet right. and that we've sort of you know we've killed her child and um <laughs> <laughs> so just like some really light light joyful work um and then the second <laughs> section is the human mother with her babies like the storm is coming and she she's trying to protect them and tell them it's okay. And even though we see that it's all about to go down, the human mother is going, oh, you know, it's okay. Shh, shh, shh. It's fine. It's fine. And then the babies leave and there's sort of this face off between the two mothers. And then of course the human mother is, or sorry, the mother nature is like all powerful. And so she summons all these storms and everyone gets caught up in these storms. And then it's like very epic. I think everyone's got these long skirts. It's, um, Sounds a lot cheesier than it is in real life, I think. And then um, in the final moments, like one of the babies is, you know, one of the babies like dies in the storm. And so the final image is like the human mother sort of understanding in that moment that the grief that she's experiencing is exactly what the mother nature character is experiencing. And that sort of understanding that shared grief, but also the guilt that like she did that right. unconsciously. Anyway, it's, <laughs> it's like, and these are students and they handle it so well. They're incredible. But so it totally makes sense to us. And everybody watching it in the rehearsal room is like, yes, this is great. Mm-hmm. And then I'm watching it going, if you had no idea what this was about, and all of a sudden, there's this, like, dead dancer. And then, every, you know, like, is this such a curveball for an right. audience? Yeah. And do I need to make a program note? Like, a, would this benefit from a really short program note just explaining Mother Nature and Human Mother? And that's all you need to know. Mm-hmm. And then just when you look at it in that context, right. like, does that make more sense? Does that... Does it bring you in? Does it engage right. you? Yeah, and not that you need to get it per se. I hate that sort of like, oh, I didn't get it. 
Um, But does that just give you a framework to connect to the work better? Yeah. And I was like, I think it does. (laughs) I really think it does. (laughs) I think we need it. To answer my own question, yes. (laughs) Absolutely. And I went, went, man, does that make no sense? And my brother was like, I thought it was a little crazy. (laughs) My mom, of course, knew the whole, like the whole shebang. She was with me when I made it. But yeah, and people who didn't know anything about it did come up to me after saying how much they enjoyed it mm-hmm. and how they they didn't really know what was going on, but there was enough sort of emotional intensity that they felt that there was something like yeah, there was like um, there was some narrative to yeah, follow. Yeah, 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 and they could make kind of make up their own. Yeah, um, but yeah, I definitely think we could benefit from a program note in that situation a lot of the when i watch work i don't read the program note till after typically Uh, unless i'm going to see a three-act ballet and then a lot of the time i will read it because i'm like what does this exact mime mean in this exact moment um but for like non-arts people right people just who enjoy the theater right but i don't think that's a bad thing i don't think it's a bad thing to say to somebody Here's some context. Mm-hmm. There's a mother nature and a human mother. And then all of a sudden they see the work in a different way and they enjoy it 10 times more. Mm-hmm. Right. Who, yeah, who is that hurting? Like uh, that benefits them and it benefits us that they have Connect. more. Yeah, they yeah. have like a little open door, like a little open window right. in. Right. Where I don't think it's a bad thing when people are like, oh, I if I hadn't read the program note, I wouldn't have any idea what was going on how many abstract paintings have you seen where you're like what is this and then you read the thing and you go oh my god or like movie trailers right right you're not going to see a fucking movie if you don't see the trailer for it right yeah so i don't think it's a bad thing i don't think it's a um spoon feed or yeah no i i think there's a difference between giving people context and telling people how they should feel yes Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm just saying, like, here's sort of a broad stroke conceptual idea that might help you access this work mm-hmm. versus you should feel like, oh, my, you should connect with the human mother and go, oh, my God, we're destroying the planet. I need to go home and compost. Like, that's not, you know, like, hopefully people are, like, are already composting. <laughs> Especially in Victoria, B.C., man, they're all over that stuff. They're way better than us. Yeah. Um, I, one time I went to visit when my parents are retired now, but when my mom was still teaching, I went to her school and I was there for like a little luncheon uh, and I was trying to recycle this juice box. So I'm standing in the hallway. There, it's not a recycling bin and a garbage can. It's a garbage can and a like a tower of drawers with labels on them for different types of plastic, different types of cardboard. And I'm standing there staring, going, holding the juice box, the straw, and then the plastic that the straw came in going, Ooh, what? (laughs) And this little, all in different things. Yeah. Yeah. And this little child came over to me and just looked up without saying anything and just like, this one goes here and this one goes here and just took them out of my hands and put them in all the right places. (laughs) This 10 year old kid. And I'm going, Wow. You know, the future is bright. future is bright. <laughs> but then I also, you know, I stay with my grandma in Kelowna, and she doesn't have a compost in her building. Mm. And I'm seriously, because I spend so much time there, I'm considering petitioning this sort of senior's place to, like, do composting. <laughs> because it hurts my heart to mm. put, like, a banana peel in the garbage. Mm. It's... I just, I'm like, oh, there is another place for this. 
Yeah. But I understand, I understand that the, um, the, uh, is infrastructure the right word here? Yes. Like it's, if they're not set up for it. Right. And it's hard in buildings. It's so hard. We have compost in our building, like praise the Lord or whatever's up there, but, um, or down there or wherever. (laughs) Or around us at all times. I don't know, man. In like older buildings and older facilities, there's like not the infrastructure, nor do people want the building owners want to spend the money to put it in. Right. Do you feel like the work that you're creating, I mean, you created that one work about climate change. (laughs) (laughs) Impactful. Um, Do you feel like your work work has a theme or you've Um, been concentrating on one specific subject a lot? I make a lot of work about the group versus individuals or um, a lot of work about sort of group dynamics. Mm. mob mentality sort of loss of individuality I made a work um, a few years ago that was focusing on this us versus them mentality so it's sort of arbitrary groups mm-hmm. of like us and you mm-hmm. right. um, and so yeah that comes up a lot I'm sort of developing <laughs> I'm developing a work in my brain um, I did work on it I did have one sort of studio session with it and I'm kind of waiting for the right chance to do it again. But, Mm -hmm. um, about a, not specifically about cults, but sort of about cults, Mm. like again, sort of group dynamics and how people will abandon their kind of individual compass when like people would rather be part of something and feel like they belong than be alone. Yeah. than be alone. Mm-hmm. And I'm obsessed with cults. I love like wild, wild country. I thought was incredible. Did you watch that? Yes. No. Yeah. So good. I didn't watch it. Oh, it's, it's on, on Netflix. Netflix. Yeah. It's about this big cult in, um, it's like in Oregon. Yeah. I Where they like literally moved in, bought the town so that they could control everything and shipped people in. Yeah. Like they went into like, it's cities it's to like wild. pick up homeless people because they had nowhere to go and then bust them into this town so they had the majority vote so they could run the place. And it's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. And and this happened in like what the eighties? Yeah. Like early, I think it was not early. that long ago. Anyway, wild wild country, amazing cults. Cults. Yeah, just cults yeah. in general. Like it's it's so <clears throat> fascinating. I'm, I'm I'm also obsessed with them. Survivor. I still watch this TV show, and people are like, "Is, is, it, is still it still on?" on? Yeah, we're almost in season forty. I'm not wow. even joking. It's like the land Be- before time movies. It's just like there's oh. eighty five of them. Um, but there's, there's, I think there's like five. <laughs> but um, I'm lying. Yeah, you always got to go for the joke. But um, yeah, what was I saying? Oh, Survivor. I'm really interested in di- like human dynamics and how people interact with each other and how people kind of social manipulation and how we can like with cults if you if you offer this belonging and you offer this sense of inclusion, mm. how far are people willing to go for that? Mm-hmm. Right. How much do we prioritize? So I feel like a lot of the work that I make has uh, I, I say sort of as my you know my artistic statement or whatever that the I try to make work that is even though the physicality is extreme mm-hmm. that the heart of it and the core of it is really human and hopefully an audience member who maybe is not physically capable of you know doing all these right. gigantic 
you know, athletic movements can still look at it and understand or look at it and go, wow, I feel that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, the piece I made for Fringe a few years ago was very much about kind of a loss of social etiquette. And, and so it's, I think I'm interested in human beings in extreme situations mm. and what we hang on to and what we leave behind. Right. Um, Does that come from like a place in your life? Or things that you're noticing going on in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's it's a noticing more. I'm trying to think. Do I do I have any? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, the time when I was the human mother with the babies. No, um, I'm a very dramatic person. I think <laughs> that's where it comes from. Like, no is a very acceptable answer. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think so. I think it's just my interest in what the art form can say or or how the art form can talk about what it means to be a human in a way that other art forms can't. Mm-hmm. So as I'm, you know, going into depth of detail about this climate change piece, it sounds totally bonkers and it is a little bit, but when you watch it in movement, I don't think it's that wild. Like, I don't think it's that silly. It's not silly. Like, I think it's a very, to me, it's a very earnest piece. And um, I'm quite proud of it. Um, and it would have to be in out there in movement to be seen in, in, a way, in that way. Yeah. Right? To, like, pull back the movement, to, like, push the storytelling forward might seem corny. Right. For lack of a better word, right? right? Yeah, and so I think for me, if I'm really interested in big physical athletic movement to warrant it, we have to be in an extreme place. Yeah, right. Emotionally, mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. think. So that's I think that's where that comes from. I also grew up doing musical theater, and I love... Right. Like, There's a, a big theatrical element to what I do. Mm-hmm. That being said, I also am transitioning into working a lot more with ballet companies, and the work that I've been making with them is much more architectural, Right. And um, starting to use point shoes more. And I, I think my aim is to bridge the gap between those two places eventually. But I'm also really loving making beautiful shapes. Right. And not worrying about, like, what does this say <laughs> is really liberating. Mm-hmm. And it's an audience that is open to that in a way that I don't think the contemporary community is right. as open to that. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Actually, I think it's hard to make work that's in, in the contemporary field that's like high, high and low, low. It's a lot of just like. Well, and I think if you. Cent- it's mid level. And they always want like something, it to be about something. Yeah, and by mid level, just... sorry, I just want to confirm. Mid level, I didn't mean like mid level in terms of like technique and how you are. I think <laughs> right. like mid level in terms of tone, I think is right. what we're, right. I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah. And like, you, I find it, you can't. Or you're reprimanded for just, like, making a work to be beautiful mm-hmm. in the contemporary world. Right. right. Yeah, they're like, oh, well, what is it saying? Oh, well, it's, like, Where's to enjoy. Depth? Yeah. And, or like, that for it's... audience members. Right. Like, but why? And I was like, because they pay the bills. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but also, I think there's this idea that purely physical, purely architectural dance in a contemporary sphere is old school. Mm. Like, it's, like, very, like, Martha Graham or Lamone. But I mean, even on. Martha Graham was doing a, a ton of narrative Forward stuff. Um, but even like Merce Cunningham just had the the yeah. Merce day or whatever yeah. yesterday. Um, but a lot of 
his work was like, here's very architectural, you know, it's up to chance or whatever. Like it's not necessarily, Mm -hmm. you know, quote, saying something other than like, this is talking about bodies in space and time and how it relates to music and time and how it Mm -hmm. relates to whatever. Right. So I think it's in the ballet world because of the aesthetic of a ballet form not like I don't mean a body I mean just like the form of ballet in general I think audiences who go to the ballet are much more willing to just go wow this is beautiful dancing Mm -hmm. and not necessarily need for more Mm -hmm. um so but I I mean I am think like even the first work that I did with the National Ballet through their choreographic workshop was talking it was it was talking about or we were thinking about when or I was thinking about when I was making it and we as you know me and the dancers together thinking about this idea of home and because all the dancers I was working with none of them were Toronto natives mm-hmm. um, and we all have been in Toronto for a long time and so all call Toronto home but all call somewhere else home right. as well I always say, oh, I'm going home to Victoria. I'm going home to Toronto. Yeah. And, and this sense of being caught between two places. So you're sort of always homesick for the other place. Right. Um, While calling the place that you physically live home. Yeah, 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 yeah. So there was this idea of, the piece was called In Between. And just this idea of sort of settle, like physically settling versus feeling unsettled. And then, of course, being a West Coast person and from Vancouver Island, home and the ocean are so connected. So there was a lot of water and ocean um, sort of imagery in it as well. And so it was it wasn't just like moves for moves sake. But when you're watching it, I don't expect you to go, oh, wow, you know, Mm -hmm. she's really caught between two places. (laughs) Right. I really feel the Pacific Ocean, (laughs) you know, And, and so I'm finding a lot of joy in making work that is more abstract in its and broad in its concept and then exploring that through movement and if people find an emotional connection to that Mm -hmm. then that's great and there and it's way more open to interpretation perhaps than something like the climate change work that is like so theatrical that and it's very clear that there's a relationship here between these people And there's a development of that relationship and ultimately a climax to that. Mm-hmm. So that you can't watch that work without going, what's happening here? Right. Versus maybe in between you can watch and go like, you could just go, oh, wow, beautiful dancing. Great. Love right. it. You know? Yeah. Um, and walk away and be happy with that. Yeah. Or yeah. you could go, this is giving me a sense of mm-hmm. whatever. Like there's a really celebratory kind of joyful section. And then there's the final parada is this really, it's sort of about finding, not about, it, it, it sort of settles. It sort of finds a peace mm-hmm. in an unsettled way. The final image, the female dancer is like completely upside down, sort of wrapped around um, in this really kind of off-kilter lift, Mm -hmm. but they can hold it and they find sort of this stability in that place. And to me, that that was never the intention of like, okay, and then at the end, the resolution is going to be this. (laughs) I just sort of followed what I was, I was just sort of following the, following my gut as a choreographer who's done this for a little bit and 
and of just of the resolution that I was looking for from a physical place. And then I was watching it going, oh yeah, like <laughs> this is me in feeling totally at peace being always not in the, you know, yeah. I, I'm constantly missing things with my family back home. I miss birthdays and I miss events and I miss, you know, all these right. things. And then when I go away, I'm missing, you know, I miss Bacheva. I'm missing, I'm missing yeah. things in Toronto all the time too. Yeah. And so this, this kind of ebb and flow between two places. And, and I think that it speaks to being a freelance artist too. There's, I feel really stable in my lack of stability. Like, I have no idea. You know, it's like the the calendar is crazy until a certain date, and then it's right. like a cliff. Like, it and just then you, drops off. And yeah. you sit on that side of the cliff, and you're like, ooh. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. And then, of course, inevitably, the cliff moves and moves and moves, and, like, that line always moves. Um, yeah. But knowing that it's going to be okay, it took a while to feel okay with that and to feel like... It always works out in the end. And even if I have, now I'm at a place, I'm really grateful to be at a place financially where if I have a month off, I never have a month off. Like, just because there's not, I'm not in the studio doesn't mean there's not emails that I've been ignoring or yeah. <laughs> applications that I need to do mm-hmm. or research that I need to do for that project that I'm doing in a year, but I won't have time to research it in a year. Right. In a year. So I need to do it now. And now I'm getting to a place where I am needing to schedule that off time as much as I'm needing to schedule the on time. Yeah. Because I'm running into projects back to back and going, oh, no. Right. (laughs) I didn't have as much time to think about this as I would like. Yeah. Yeah. And so really, and relishing that time off. Mm -hmm. But off, quote off. Sorry. But before you got to this place of feeling stable in your instability, Mm -hmm how did you deal with your own insecurities about where you're going? Not well, (laughs) not well would be the answer. Um, yeah, I feel it's funny because I feel I've struggled with anxiety and depression in hindsight, as long as I can remember, but officially like got a diagnosis from a doctor five years ago now. And, um, it was really, it has, especially the anxiety has manifested itself in different ways and in connection to different things. And it's, it's like, it always, you know, people think if I make this amount of money, I'll be, I'll be happy. happy. Or if I just have this, I'll be happy. But as soon as you get there, there's another thing. Oh yeah. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. it's like, oh, I'll be less anxious if I have enough money to not worry. It's like, okay, well, I'm, I'm certainly not like rolling in it by any means, but I'm just less concerned than I was mm-hmm. a few years ago. Or I have a little bit more financial stability that I've been able to save and I can go, okay, it's okay if I have this month off or okay. whatever. Um, I'll be able to bridge the gap until the next thing where I'm doing three projects at once and I'm going to make a lot of money in that one mm-hmm. month where I used to go, oh dang, I can't bridge the gap. Like mm-hmm. I need to work my old Joe job or like whatever else. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that anxiety has sort of manifested itself into, well, now I'm anxious about a totally different set of things. Yeah. Um, but yeah, certainly not well. I, I, 
that that period of my life, like leading up to going to a doctor and actually getting a diagnosis was sort of the lowest time for me. I was too, by the time I went to the doctor, I was two years out of school. Mm-hmm. And so that first year out of school, you're a little bit like deer in headlights. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. terrified, but I could do anything and pumped that you sort of had no one telling you what to do is like a little <laughs> bit. I didn't go to a ballet class for a long time just because I was going, well, I don't have to go to a ballet class. Right. And then I went back and went, Oh no, <laughs> this is really hard to get back. I should be better about this. Yeah. Um, but that first year out, I was, you know, trying to make work with friends just around. I had applied to a few things and was fortunate to get some work right out of school, just, you know, for a short period of, period of time. And then there was Movement Invention Project, and there was this, and there was that. And there were sort of little things here and there and Dance Matters and whatever. So I felt like I was, I was doing okay. Like, you know, we're mm-hmm. busy. We're not, like certainly making a huge amount of money, but I was still able to work my old Joe job and I was still able to, to figure it out. You were still like doing, doing things. I was doing things. Like I never felt like we always, um, I, Kelly Shaw is, um, I call her my artistic soulmate. We're very, very good friends. And, um, we always talk about how when we graduated, people said it'll take five to seven years till you feel okay. And we both we we both sort of independently um, kind of scoffed at that and went, well, it'll be less for me because I'm going to work my ass off and it, it won't be five years. I'm going to make it three. Mm-hmm. And then now I'm seven years out of school and now I finally understand <laughs> what that right. sort of stability in the instability meant like the people who were telling me it'll take five to seven years now I get right right what they meant but I always felt like I was doing stuff I always felt like I was working towards something I I was applying I spent so much time researching opportunities and applying for a zillion things and most of which I did not get but then randomly I would get something and I would go oh my god oh my god I got this thing and right and um you know, so it felt like I was busy. It felt like I was doing something. And then a year later, you're kind of in that same place going, oh my God, now it's two years that I've been out of school. And I feel like I am, no one has hired me as a dancer. Mm -hmm. And other than like other, other than my friends. Yeah. Other than my friends. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, and even still that only happened once or twice. And I am not, I feel like I'm not able to make the work that I want to make because when I get a chance to make work, it's either on students or kids really at the time, Mm -hmm. kids, or it's super duper rushed. Like what are we, what can we all manage to do for free? Right. Mm -hmm. And so I felt unsatisfied from an artistic standpoint I felt unsatisfied certainly from a financial standpoint (laughs) and then you also are like don't have a sense of balance and I mean I'm still trying to figure that out but the the triangle again that that Kelly and I talk about is people pay and passion if you don't have two out of three when you're going into a contract or or taking an opportunity, then it's probably not worth doing Mm -hmm. because if it's not paying you anything and the work is terrible and you're only doing it because it's your friends, you might actually get more out of 
going to the library or going to the right. art gallery or doing Maybe something working yeah, yeah. or yeah. working somewhere that's going to pay you money yeah. right and then hang out with your friends on the weekend yeah. yeah and so in a total sacrifice of all three of those things it's just you by yourself and I mean I've been with my husband for a long time and and he has always been the most supportive but he was we graduated university the same year and he's a musician he was going through the exact same thing mm -hmm. so um and we're both far away from our families and it was just like it's sort of, I feel like I can, the way I describe my, my mental health situation is like, it's, it's like being, the tide is in or out mm -hmm. and I have no control over the tide. Sometimes I'm depressed and I don't know why the tide is in and I'm not sure why, but me in this little boat is my situation is my circumstance. If I'm super busy, I'm doing work that I'm excited about. I'm making good money. I'm hanging out with friends. Mm -hmm. The boat is very secure. So even if the tide is in, I'm safe because the, yeah. the boat I'm like, I'm floating in the boat. Right. But even if the tide is just barely in and it's like, I'm poking holes in the boat. If I'm not working on something or if I'm maybe not eating well, or if I haven't taken class in a while, or I'm not making an effort to see people that really fulfill me, mm -hmm. then all these holes in the boat, even if there's just like a millimeter of water, the water comes in. Mm -hmm. And so I was, the tide was in and the there was no boat. Like it was just me <laughs> out there. Yeah. Just, water. Drown, yeah. just drowning. Just one water wing on. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> just going in a circle. <laughs> and so finally it was like, Oh, maybe I should go to a doctor. This is probably not normal, but it is normal. But I think sometimes we wear, like, we especially wear in this city, people wear their hustle as a badge of honor. It's not. It's, like, so... I hate it. <laughs> yeah. hate. And it, it it's to be applauded in certain cases. Like, yeah. you, you work so hard, you busted your ass, you made this happen. But also self-care and taking, like... If, of course, we think, oh, our body is our instrument. But as an artist, we have an athlete body and an artist heart. Mm -hmm. Your heart is actually your instrument. Your brain is actually your instrument, especially as a creator and yeah. a maker. And if you're not sleeping, if you're not eating well, right. what your brain can't do is your body can't do. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so for me, it's been a huge, you know, I don't go to every show. Sometimes I'm, I'm out of town a lot for work, but sometimes I'm here and I just don't go. And it's not because I'm not interested in the work. It's not because I don't want to support people. It's because today I need to just be at home mm -hmm. or I haven't seen my husband in a while. And even if we're not having like the most in-depth conversation, just being near him is rejuvenating to me. Hanging out with my friends that aren't in this community mm -hmm. is hugely rejuvenating to me. Yes. And... You know, having time, I make a huge effort to go home and see my family. And I try to hook it up with work so I can right. financially make it happen. <laughs> but, I, you know, I was just in Victoria for two and a half days. And I didn't reach out to any of my friends there. I only saw my family. And it was like, I felt like my cup just fill up again. Your soul feels good. Yeah. 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 
sometimes if I'm there for a long time, I'm like, oh, right. <laughs> you know, <Barely>. yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I need to find ways to leave the house. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's just like, you know, yeah. that's not my life. My right. life is not living in, my, in Victoria. My life is here. And so when I'm there for a long time, I, I love being with my family. I love my parents. I love my cousins and my aunts and uncles and everybody, my brother. And, mm-hmm. um, but when you start to, f- that, that's when it sort of like starts to grate against your reality because this isn't my real life. When I go for mm-hmm. a couple of weeks or a couple of days, it's just like, oh my God, this is amazing. Yeah. And um, yeah. So I forget where I was going with this, but the point of the story is that before you got help was your lowest point. Yeah. And I really, it took a lot for me to go. Mm-hmm. It took, and it was such a, of course it was like, okay, I'm going to go. I phoned the doctor. I'm like, this has taken so much courage for me to do this. I phoned the doctor and I was still going to the Ryerson clinic and I, you know, I was getting prescriptions from them. I was, I was still going to the Ryerson clinic and all of a sudden, that time was the time that they went, oh, you graduated. You're not allowed to come here anymore. <sighs> and I was like, I have been coming here for two years. You know how many paps I've gotten? <laughs> like, <laughs> that was before they made you do it every three years. Um, <laughs> but, but I was like, I've, I've come here in the last two years anyway. And it was like, no, 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 you can't. You have to find a family doctor. So I hear it. I am at like... So you hear a no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I'm yeah. like in the pit of self-despair, finally like managed to reach an <laughs> arm out for help. And they're like, oh, no, honey, you can't come here anymore. Um, yeah. So thankfully, cause I know it's so hard to get a family doctor, but thankfully one of the doctors at the, the Ryerson clinic was open to patients at her other clinic. Mm. So I was able to get her. And even like, I think my husband started going to her maybe two or three years later. And the only reason they let him is because we're married. Mm. So they weren't like no longer accepting new patients. Wow. But anyway, and then it was like, okay, well you can't do a mental health assessment as your first appointment with her. You have to do like a meet and greet. Hello, this is my new doctor. Mm -hmm. Just general, you know, Uh, hi, nice to meet you. What's your family history of X, Y, and Z. So then it was that. And then it was like, okay, then two weeks later. So it actually took a couple months before I was able to fully get like in with her to talk about it. Then, um, and she was so great. I love my doctor, but, um, (laughs) she was suggesting, you know, like if you want to try therapy you could we have a social worker in-house that you could talk to it wouldn't be a long-term thing Mm. but just to get an idea of sort of what that process would be like and so I did go to this guy a couple times and him and I just really didn't jive and so I was like that's it I'm never doing therapy no therapy is not for me I don't need it like I don't need therapy and I still haven't gone to anyone else and now I really want to and I'm sort of more actively looking and my husband too we're both sort of actively looking for people mm-hmm. um but yeah and I talked to my doctor about medication and I decided at that time that that was not something I, I wanted to do mm-hmm. not the and, and it was partially a shame thing and and a stigma thing where I was like well I don't need that like mm-hmm. I don't need antidepressants yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I'm yeah. in control of my body like I can right. do this mm-hmm. but even my dad was like, well, if your, if your depression is a chemical thing, like other people's physical illnesses are chemical things, why wouldn't you take a chemical 
thing to right. help your chemical thing. Like, right. And um, I, I still have not taken medication because now I'm in this weird place of like trying not to take medication and like mm-hmm. trying just to like not put chemicals in my body. Mm-hmm. Um, but trying to take like, oh, this vitamin is maybe something that I, like, talking to the doctor, and they're like, you're a little bit deficient in this vitamin, which could be linked to your depression. So oh. why don't you take these supplements or, or right. like, try to right. eat something that's going to be more... It's going to help you. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And for me, running has been the, like, I can't meditate. Meditating right. is so difficult for me. Right. So for me, running is like a physical meditation. So my body is active in a way that's enough to kind of calm my brain. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. Because sitting still is like very challenging for me, as I imagine <laughs> it is for a lot of um, physical people who are physical, you know, for right. a living. Um, and I never thought I would be a runner. Like if you had asked me five years ago, I, t- I don't even run we're for the bus. Laughing. We just interviewed someone and we were just talking about running. We we're like, it's fucking horrible. Oh my God. <laughs> we I like, wouldn't have even, I, it's shocking to me. Every time yeah. I run, I say to myself, like, can you believe that you're doing this? This is right. amazing. <laughs> right. Because I, I got out of running in high school because I said that it was like impeding my dance training. Mm-hmm. And they let me not run, which was like, <laughs> um, always sort of like trying to game the system, trying to play the game. <laughs> I'm like, oh no, I can't run. Um, even five years ago, I would have said, I don't even run for the bus. Like mm. I won't, I refuse to run ever. And then my mom started running once she retired or came back to running. She had previously. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, this is free and I can do it anywhere. Yep. So if yeah. I'm and outside yeah. and like, right, be rained on or get sweaty yeah, yeah. or look at the lake. Yeah. And so for me, it's been, especially doing commissions kind of all over. It's right, the one right. thing that is like, this is familiar to me. Can be part of your routine. Yeah. yeah I yeah. just was in New York for two weeks doing, um, a, a sort of like choreographic development thing with, um, New York city ballet. And I, we were staying, the hotel was like a 10 minute walk from central park. Mm-hmm. And I went and so ran beautiful. in the park and it was just every, I was like, my mouth open, you know, smiling the whole time going, oh, my, could you? This is the dream. Yeah. If you had and then someone your... immediately spit into your yeah. mouth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. You're like a bug flying into my mouth. For sure, for sure. But it's like, if you had said to me five years ago, you're going to be in New York for this project for two years, I would have been pumped. If you had said, you know, you're going to be in New York for two weeks with this project from New York City Ballet. I would have gone, oh my God, that's amazing. And then to say, and you're also going to run. <laughs> that would have been the most shocking element of it. <laughs> that would have been the thing that I would have said, oh, no, 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 you're not talking about me. That's someone else for sure because I'm not a runner. Um, but yeah, so yeah, developing strategies, being it, my mom and I talk a lot and being able to text her and say like, I don't feel up to talking today, but it's not because I don't love and appreciate you and her being able to understand that right. I just am not up to talking today, mm-hmm. but not, um, but know but that not I'm not wor- mad at her or, or not right. like worrying. It's just yeah. like yeah. what you're dealing with. She totally. doesn't call you cause you said, yeah, she's like, <laughs> yeah. what's wrong? You're oh, like, okay. mom, I yeah, just like, no, no, I can't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and we've, and, and with my husband too, acknowledging what we're coming into the conversation with. Cause mm-hmm. it's like, Oh, well suddenly we're fighting about nothing because we both were feeling some type of way and didn't acknowledge it. And right. 
so this really has nothing to do with you not putting your dishes away. Yeah, yeah. whatever. Yeah. And so especially with my mom just being able to acknowledge like this is what I'm coming into the conversation with. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, and so my family and and my friends, my Toronto family um are just the the best support system and that has been key. And so investing in my support system I think is has been hugely important. So maybe not doing everything I get offered or maybe not hustling as hard as I should or could or whatever yeah. be or what, or what people expect me to be or yes. what based on whatever arbitrary mm-hmm. scale we're looking yeah. at this on. But going home to Victoria or taking the day off, truly off, not even turning on my phone as much as I can. Mm -hmm. My husband and I, we live-ish near High Park, and we have lived-ish near High Park for the last, like, eight years. And we go for a walk. We try to go once a week. If we can go more, we go more. It takes us about an hour and a half, two hours, depending on how much we sort of, you know, like go get a coffee or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he brings his phone, but he puts it on airplane. I leave mine completely at home because I cannot be trusted to not to look not at it. not check your email. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and we talk mm. or not for an hour and a half or two hours. And it is like the best. And even when I'm away, he'll go do it still because it's, it's nice for him. Yeah. And just that time to reconnect we live together. Like, we sleep in the same bed. And yet, I always find myself on that walk going, how are you really doing? Mm-hmm. As opposed to, like, how was your day? Good, great. You did X, Y, Z? Cool, cool, cool. Let's watch this YouTube video. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or Brooklyn Nine-Nine, as I just referenced. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, Love it. <laughs> and then, you know, like, eat our little apples and peanut butter and go to bed. Like, right. So it's, it's that, like, what is the quality of the time that you're spending mm-hmm. together? Mm-hmm. And I think that's the same thing with being an artist. Like, what is the quality of the hustle versus the quantity of the hustle? Mm-hmm. So I'm, you know, I'm really committing myself to this thing or whatever. Or I'm going to hustle at this thing versus eight things. Everything I can get my hands on. I think social media is a big part of it, too. I, re- I really don't post every single thing that I do. Mm-hmm. Um Mostly because I forget. If I'm in rehearsal, like... If you're busy, too, it's hard. Yes. It's hard. Yes. But that's why people have people to do it. For people them. to do it. I it's know. a job. I would really, like, if I could afford someone to manage my schedule, mm. that would be number one. This is a call, people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> She's Anybody, hiring an intern. Except I have no money. <laughs> if you can work for, like, homemade cheesecake and a hug, please. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Depends how good your cheesecake it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Although cheesecake is expensive, I must say, to make. Whenever I bring cheesecake to something, I'm like... Cream cheese is like $10. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> also, like, dairy really messes people up, man. So <laughs> I haven't made a cheesecake in a while, but I used to. Um, yeah, so I'm in the studio, and I, I the project ends, and I go, oh, my God, I didn't take a single picture, or I didn't do anything. Right. Because I was sometimes three, two, one countdown to premiere. Mm-hmm. You have, you know, I just did something in Vancouver 
for a training program at the beginning of the year. And I think I had six, was it six or seven? I think it might've been six rehearsal days with them to make a 10 minute piece. And I think our rehearsals were like two and a half hours or something like yeah, that. Three hours. And so I didn't, I took a group picture with them, like of us all with our arms around each other on the last day. Cause I went, Oh my God, we have to take a picture, but no dance, no cute, like 10 second moments of, yeah. and, and I went, Oh shoot. But I made them a piece that I think is, you know, they're really happy with. And I think I did a good job. And, um, hopefully they'll have pictures and videos of it that they can use. But I, you know, I didn't maybe get my three or four good Instagram right, posts right. out of it. But cause you have to hire a photographer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the only reason that I feel like that we have a lot of content is because we like ask people to do it. Yeah. yeah. We're like, Hey, we are specifically taking a moment to take photos or we are specifically yeah, 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 yeah. having a camera guy here to make sure we have like behind the scenes footage. Totally. Right. Right. You yeah. It's people's jobs. That's I feel like I've been posting nonstop about, um, this project in New York because they had a photographer, right. they had two photographers. Yeah. So I have a zillion gorgeous shots right. from yeah. that project. So, and in my personal Instagram, I feel like is 90% pictures from my wedding because it was like, I paid a lot of money for these. Yeah. <laughs> and also there's thousands of photos of us and you know, mm-hmm. the people that we love looking nice. Yeah. yeah. Taken by a professional photographer. Excuse me. If I post yeah. Like, yeah. the lighting is great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if I post a few, yeah. we went to, um, for sort of a delayed honeymoon, we went to India and my husband has a, has a camera and, that pretty much that entire trip is just pictures of me because he's taking them. And I tried to, you know, we tried to get other people to take them of us, or I tried to take pictures of him. Um, but I'm like, man, I have all these nice pictures of me (laughs) on this crazy trip. And, uh, so for a while, my Instagram was like just India and people are like, were you there for a year? (laughs) No, I just didn't have anything else to post. I'm sorry. (laughs) But yeah. So social media is like a thing. Um, it's a thing we discuss a lot. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's hard. It's so integrated and it's probably going to get more integrated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's probably going in the way where it's a nonstop thing. Right. And I feel like I'm in a weird place where I'm trying to play the game, but also resistant. Yeah. Kind of mm-hmm. resistant to it. But then you see people getting commissions with major ballet companies mm-hmm. who haven't really made a lot of work, but they have a hundred thousand or whatever Instagram followers. And I'm Which going, you can buy. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you could buy it, but I'm like, <laughs> I would like those not commissions. Not supporting that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, yeah. not condoning buying the Instagram. No, account. no. But it's so brilliant. I'm going, you know, this would be, or this is a helpful way. You know, I noticed someone who um, recently became a very important administrative person at a very important ballet company. Follow me on Instagram. And I was like, oh, dang, <laughs> like I should post more ballet stuff you right. know, so that they see it. But and then a couple of days later, someone else from the company mm, also right. followed me. And I was like, OK, so maybe they kind of are interested. Maybe they're interested mm-hmm. in me. And so I'm going, mm, I should post like a couple more little video clips or whatever, just to remind them that I'm here. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so it's it's like, how much can I play the game without sacrificing too much of my time and energy because that's, I'm, you know, I'm not a 
marketing person, right. mm-hmm. um, but also sacrificing because the more I commit to it, the more I see myself like finding the gratification from the likes and the comments right. and the whatever. Yes. And the more that I look into the stats, because I'm trying to do it strategically, like, you know, drives you bananas. what is the, what is the peak hours mm. for posting? Right. You know, my followers are 80% from Toronto or whatever the actual stats are. Yeah. And so what time zone should I post in? That's going to be a peak time. Mm-hmm. My posts that do really well are more like this type of thing versus yes. that type of thing. And so I have separated, like I have Elise Pyre's dance projects, Instagram, which I started when I was starting to do more work with my company. And now that I'm doing less self-producing and more commissions, it's basically just become my like businessy one. Mm -hmm. And then I have my personal one, which was private for a long time. And then I made it unprivate and then I made private again. And it's sort of a constant battle. Um, But I find sometimes when I do work for companies, a lot of them will tag my personal one. Mm. And so it was just easier to have it public. Right. Right. Um, But yeah, being, especially being connected to a really visible institution has sort of changed the way I think about Instagram and social media in general and think about the, how much access people have. Not that I'm like, you know, a celebrity by any means, but you know, when people start emailing you hateful stuff from like fake email addresses, you're like GTFO, (laughs) you start to think about like, what is this? How have I, you know, you, you, you don't like my dance moves so much that you're going to invent a story or accuse you know, I, I don't want to give them any more, um, of my energy than they deserve. Um, but there's been some really wackadoodle stuff. That's crazy. (laughs) It is pretty crazy. And the more I think about it, the crazier it is. Yeah. And so trying to, it was sort of like right after, um, this recent project that I did with the national ballet, it was like this really wackadoodle email happened And there was a review of the performance that was quite nasty um, in general, but specifically towards you. I I don't know if I got the brunt of it. I honestly didn't read the whole thing because I was like, wow, this is really not worth my time. Yeah. (laughs) But the part about me was like unkind. And then I had Googled myself in a, again, a pit of self-despair, maybe a couple days later to see how high up that review was going to land, just Mm because it was not nice. And I was hoping that if people were Googling me, that wasn't, that wasn't the first thing that would come up. And then I ended up finding like these anonymous ballet message boards (laughs) that apparently are a thing. And there was a bunch of stuff about about me on there and I was like oh my god you know (laughs) no who are these people and oh my god what what like do you have nothing better to do with your time than to complain about strangers on the internet anonymous ballet message message boards boards. yeah yeah anyway so now I have it's been a really big learning curve in terms of how I deal with because the review is one thing. Like, mm-hmm. the review is at least, you know, she put her name on it. Like, it wasn't <laughs> anonymous. Right. And 
not every person is going to love every single thing that I do. And that's fair. Um, and I don't need to read reviews. And now I'm trying not to. Like, right before we started this, I saw something posted about a, about a project that I was a part of on Twitter. And so I sent my husband the link. And I said, is this a review or an overview? And he'll read it and he'll tell me whether I should read it oh. or not. <laughs> because you also like self-promotion. If a reviewer loved something that I did and there's a great pull quote and I can put yeah. that on my website or I can put that in something, of course... Right. That's going to be helpful. And keeping links to media and press that I'm mentioned in is helpful in terms of, you know, things in the future. Yes. Mm -hmm. So how do you balance? Because I'm not, I'm, I'm not like crystal pipe where I can say, oh, it doesn't matter if I read reviews or not. Cause I, I am so established that I don't need it or I have people who can take care of that for me. Um, so I'm not at that place, but I'm also not and now I'm getting more reviews. Like in the contemporary community, they don't often happen. And if you do get one, it's sort of one every once in a blue moon or fringe or a, yeah. you get a bunch, but they're sort of from sporadic sources. Yeah. And, and they're just like overviews. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So it went from being like, oh my God, I got a review. I have to read this to see if there's something because I have no press to my name. So this is yeah, helpful. Important. To now going... I need a filter between me and this. And so my husband is like a vault. Like, you know, right. he sometimes, you know, cause if it's like deprecating to your like self-worth, like, right. How are you going to like continue? How would you use that to your advantage to continue on? You're not going to, right. Mm-hmm. It's going to put you back. It's going to two steps back. Right. right. And, and especially as somebody that struggles with my mental health, it's knowing what circumstances breed success and what circumstances don't. So I know and avoiding those. Yeah. <laughs> I know that if I wake up in the morning and I have nowhere to be mm-hmm. and it's a, it's a quote day off or it's a day where I need to do some admin mm-hmm. at home. Mm-hmm. I am a hundred times more likely mm-hmm. to be successful and productive. If I get up and go for a run first right. mm-hmm. or if I'm, if I'm not running for whatever reason, like physical reason or weather or whatever, I know that if I get up and change or if I get up and shower, then I am much more likely to be successful than if I stay in my pajamas. Yes. And, or if I get up and go for a walk around the block or I don't drink coffee, but if I go get a tea or something, you know. Right. Rather than open your phone right away. Right. So... Same thing. I know that I... Am I curious about what all those things are saying about me? What that review is saying? What this is saying? Of course mm-hmm. I am. And But do I know that I'm going to be more successful in managing my mental health if I don't read it? Or if I have a buffer between me and that, like my husband yes. or whatever? Right. Then it's, it's about trying not to... Trying to surround myself with circumstances that are going to breed success. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And... You know, I had somebody say to me recently, I don't read reviews because if I believe all the good stuff, I have to believe all the bad stuff. Mm -hmm. And I think, yeah, it's just for me now, it's just a safer place for me to not read anything and for me to not Google anything. (laughs) Um, And yeah, I I, I sort of described it to somebody as um, when you've just shown a work. 
I feel like you're on the operating table. Like your guts are everywhere. You're cut completely open. And so if somebody walks into the OR with like a tiny little bit of bacteria or whatever, it's going to infect you. Yeah. And I need to wait because I can handle that bacteria if I wait until I'm sewn up and I'm healed and I'm like maybe a couple weeks later or a month later yeah. and I can look at that review with more perspective and more context. Mm -hmm. And maybe there is something helpful in there for me. Maybe there isn't. Maybe the reviewer just didn't like the music or just didn't like right. whatever. Right. Or they, you know, in the other case, they were comparing it to a work that they had seen previously that they really right. loved. And this one they didn't love as much. And maybe that hurt me when I first read it. But now I look at it going, you know what? I made that piece in eight days and I think I did a good job. Right. So it's fine. And we can like I'm all sewn up and I'm healed and I can take that in without letting it become an infection. Right. And you can move on. But yes, we have to ask the question. You. Oh yeah. Uh, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm no, like that's the okay. biggest like we, we have like one question to ask. Yes. You. Is being an artist fucking killing you? Um as much as I just was like talking about the, the trials and tribulations, I would have to say no. I would have to say that I'm better at navigating it and better at managing it. But I would be, as much as I struggle, as much as we all mm -hmm. struggle, if I was not doing this, I would be experiencing a deeper depression, a right. darker yep. place. Um, getting to do what I love and what I'm passionate about and what I've been obsessed with since I was a child is a the, dream. The dream. Mm -hmm. And the fact that I can pay my bills with it and the fact that I can work, you know, with these amazing, inspiring mm -hmm. collaborators um, and that people are interested in what I have to say. It's like, mm -hmm. I can, I can handle this stuff, right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. It was amazing. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Um, what is your Instagram handle again? Oh, it's at Elisa Pyres, A-L-Y-S-A-P-I-R-E-S, -E or at Elisa Pyres Dance Projects, which is more dancey stuff. Mm -hmm. um, cool. So that's where, like, the little... And wedding photos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the little hot 10-second bids are yeah. on there. <laughs> um, so go follow that. Also, go follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Listen to us on Spotify and iTunes. Leave a review. Uh, rate us. And thank you guys for listening. Thank you for listening.